Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Content warnings can be found in the episode notes. Take a moment to hit subscribe, or take a couple minutes to leave us a review. Better yet, why not share with a friend? You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit TavernSquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliche alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. I'm your Dungeon Master, your Innkeeper, and your host, Connor Everly, here with the eighth installment of our new campaign, Before the Storm Horse. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that the party got some magic items at the end of the last episode. We released a 10-minute mini-episode earlier this month where we talk about what those items are and who got what. So if you're interested in hearing that, uh, pause this episode right here, go listen to that, and then come back. Alright, and with that we're going to dive right in with character icebreaker questions. We will start with Andre Ryu playing Tums. Andre, how are you today? I'm doing good. Ready to get back into some roleplay. It sounds like a fun time. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm excited as well. Uh, why don't you go ahead and roll that D100 for us? Got it. Alrighty. And so that's a 66. Mute your computer there, Connor. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Was that me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, this is great. All right. Who is Tums's favorite Spice Girl? Shoot, that's a hard question on account of uh, real-life Andre not knowing the Spice Girls. Like, Sporty Spice? There's Baby Spice, Sporty Spice. I'm going to say, if you want to, you can also make up that the Spice Girls are something completely different in this world. They (laughs) They just sell spices. Like like cardamom. (laughs) 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 That makes a lot of sense. Um, That's kind of funny. That, That Dove's Tale, that's great for Tums. Uh, in case people don't know, Tums is named after the popular medicine, Tums. And all of his family members are also named after um, stomach settling aids. Really? For those that have the, uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the spice that's, uh, I guess, easy on him is ginger spice. So, yeah, that's his favorite spice girl is, is uh, ginger that spice. Is, that is a spice girl. And I just have to ask. In real life. <laughs> She's dope. They're all fucking dope. I love them. Shut up. Is she a redhead? She is a redhead, yeah. Of course she is. Okay, yeah. Ginger spice. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. It works for Tums. I feel like canonically, the Spice Girls have to be a band of like all female bards that travel through the Wandering City and play at like different pubs, and they just happen to play at your pub a lot of times, and maybe Tums had a had a crush on Ginger Spice growing up. <laughs> Ginger Spice is exactly the same person, though. Just like, same outfit, same appearance, just like. In, in this realm. Yes. Uh, the Spice Girls are the same Spice Girls as our Spice Girls. They're just, bit, you know, there's more of them in the Wandering City. Same outfit. <laughs> At some point, Ginger Spice fell into like a multiverse wormhole and ended up in Hezcocosa. <laughs> and then just found some other girls who were making art and was like, oh, you're, you're cardamom, you're cinnamon. And paprika. <laughs> I'm Ginger. So the 
Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, <laughs> Baby Spice, Ginger Spice, and Posh Spice. Shout out. I remember seeing the, the Spice Girls movie and, yeah. and Baby and uh, Baby Spice got pregnant. I was like, what the fuck? How ironic. Crazy. <laughs> um, ironic. Baby Spice is having got a baby. Got pregnant? Yeah, oh, I see. Uh-huh. We're getting deep here. We're doing, All multi- right. <laughs> we're doing multi-tiered jokes. <laughs> it's probably too long of a question. Nah, we're having fun. Alright, thanks Andre. Next up on Roll20, we have Sean Paul playing G3. How you doing today, Sean? Oh, good. Excited to uh, do some clomping around as G3 today. Oh, fuck yeah. It's been, a, it's been a while since we've had some clomping. Right? Yeah. So uh, go ahead and roll that D100 for us. Let's see what you get. Alright. Got a 45. A 45. Alright, so what would G3's favorite animal be? Oh, G3 has always had an affinity for squirrels. <laughs> uh, he's such a good guard that him stoically standing outside of the buildings, occasionally a little squirrel, you know, run up on his shoulder. And uh, yeah, he's always thought they're better than birds because they have this pecking they sometimes do and it really resonates through his whole body and he's not a fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have, like, a favorite squirrel? Like, do you have, like, a squirrel friend? Uh, it's more like a Disney princess, where he's just one with all the squirrels. Nice. Okay. Perfect. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> I know you were going to have that squirrel friend show up as an NPC at some point. I know oh, that's what you were going to do. He's going to have a whole fleet at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. We'll do a squirrel swarm. We'll, we'll write that in somewhere. <laughs> is there a technical term for a group of squirrels? I'm, I'm sure, sure there is. is. I feel like actually squirrels are pretty solitary. Like you might see them in like couples, but I do not feel like they are a group animal. Uh, so according to uh, yeah, a scurry, exactly. Sorry. According <laughs> a scurry. <laughs> according to Cora, yes, uh, <laughs> a group of squirrels is called a scurry. Jessica was also fervently <laughs> typing. She was like, "No, I gotta get this out first. Why are you using Cora? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that uh, is that peer reviewed? Are we sure about this? Isn't that just one of the avatars? <laughs> <laughs> what? No, no. <laughs> it's with a K. This is Quor with a Q U O R. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the search engine that everyone should download, though, is called Ecosia, and it plants trees, and it works with um, local communities to plant trees in that community. It's called E-C-O-S-I-A. Download it today. This episode is not sponsored by Ecosia. Ha-cha-cha. But we like it. Thank you, Sean. Uh, that was great. Uh, let's move on here to Dan the Mystery Man playing Roynar Karagark. Dan, how you doing today? Oh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, excited to learn about Roy. I have no idea what we're going to find out about him. Yeah. Well, let's roll that (laughs) dice. Let's see how it goes. So Roy got a 70. Okay. If you had to be killed by an animal or a pack of animals, what animal would it be? Nice. Oh, man. I I think Roy's such a proud person. It would have to be something, like, vicious and, like, scary. So, uh, I, I don't know. I think getting... Ripped apart by bears would be pretty cool. So, okay. Nice. Bears. Yeah. Death <laughs> by bear. All right. I'll make sure I write that in uh, for when it's your time to die. Perfect. A sleuth. A group of bears is called a sleuth or a sloth. A sleuth of bears. Never would have guessed that. Okay. Would you rather be attacked by a, a sleuth of uh, duck sized bears or one single bear sized 
duck. Oh, definitely the bears, dude. Ducks are kind of fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Because I bet the duck-sized bears would just be so cute, you know? You're just, like, scooping them up. They kind of would. I would want to pet them. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but, like, they Their could climb, you know? Like, they crazy. could still they could still fuck you up pretty bad. 100%. But imagine a bear-sized duck. Mammals are cute. I mean, I feel like that's just, like, fighting little wolverines, almost, which, which is still a bad idea. Um, we don't condone fighting animals of any kind. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, don't it's, touch wildlife. It's like fighting <laughs> fighting a kindergarten class of yeah. uh, Ewoks, just like oh. barreling through. <laughs> G through would be their leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dan. And last but not least, we have Jessica McGarry playing Cecilia Slitherspoon. Hey, yo, what's poppin'? Oh, it's all poppin'. My lip gloss is poppin'. Oh, hell yeah. Just for the record. Well, I was gonna ask how you're doing, but it seems like we know. (laughs) I got 12. (laughs) All right, you got 12. Straight to the business. (laughs) All right. Who's that little mama who sings? Just to give her some credit. I be loving it. I be, I be loving it. I be using it. I be, yeah. I be using it. Little Mama lip gloss. If y'all haven't heard that yet, give it a give it a listen. I mean, it was if, a high school banger for us 27-year-olds, you know? Yeah, you know, if you haven't heard it, like, you've just been living under a rock. <laughs> so, that's uh, <Anyway>. Cecilia. <laughs> Cecilia, uh, your question is, if you had to sing karaoke, what song would you pick? Do we know? <laughs> Stacy's mom has got it going on. <laughs> no, that might be a little weird. Yeah, it might be a little on the nose. <laughs> well, I mean, fun fact for all our listeners out here, that is the first and only song I've ever sang at karaoke. Really? Is Stacy's mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... I actually want to say All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Really? Because half the audience would be super pissed off, and Cecilia would think that's hilarious. And then the other half the audience would fucking groove with her. Um, and it's a holiday-themed one. She don't like singing out loud. Like, she's not. she has yeah. a S, you know, speech impediment, kind of, so. Um, so you just want to make sure you have, like, half the people singing the song for you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All I Want for You... All I want for Christmas is you. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone else is doing that stuff, and I'm like, yeah. And I can see Andre crying through the (laughs) through the camera. Yeah, for 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 the listener, there's a lot of brow furrowing and temple rubbing going on right now. Uh, Well, I've never had to do. a job where they played that overhead all day long, so... I mean, what's worse is I did. And you still and like I it. And I still like the song. Like <laughs> <laughs> it explains your DMing style, Connor. Like, like a lot. It says a lot. Yeah? <laughs> some people like it, some people do not. <laughs> yeah, I would say... I've been through the disaster. The yeah. only time I go karaoke is if Stacy makes me, and I don't want to play Stacy's Mama's Got It Going On, because I don't want her to make to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it's kind of weird if you, like, sing a song about how your friend's mom is, like, hot yeah. in front of your friend. I wonder how that singer did. Who, who sung Stacy's Mom's Got It Going? Those Fountains of Wayne. Do all of these songs 
since we've talked about the Spice Girls and now we have all 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 we want for you is Christmas and and these others, are they canonically the same songs in the Land of Wadafonui, or yes, are they like mine are, or do they have their own individual lyrics? They are until you come up with the new lyrics. Exactly. Fountains of Wayne. Shout out to you for Stacy's mom. Also a high school banger. Mm -hmm. All of my stuffed animals were also named Stacy, so that name was actually pretty unoriginal. No, Sally. Sally was the name that I named all my stuffed animals growing up. Anyway. So every listener who is Sally, uh, we're sorry. No, Uh, you had so much fun with me. All my stuffed animals would have a freaking ball. I had clothes for them. Well, no, you're I saying, built forts for them. I'm saying it was a great time. I'm saying because you said that it was an unoriginal name, so no, that's not what I meant. Because for, for uh-huh. me personally, because I would name all my animals that because I liked the name. If anything, it's a compliment. Okay. okay all right we've been fucking around but thank you jessica i appreciate it was like a solid 12 minutes of intro you know that's all right we're having fun here i think that's fine i think that that's actually good yeah i think we're and i'm really excited to run into mariah carey yeah (laughs) no actually you're not um it's michael buble she's the bbeg yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no and michael buble you gotta watch out for him um, <laughs> coming for you, Mike. If you see snow, run. Uh, well, we can't. We can't threaten Michael Bublé on the show. <laughs> no, we love him. No, if anything, we want Michael Bublé on the show. Yeah. So tag you, Michael Bublé, oh, guys. Yeah. So if anyone's within, like you know, maybe three degrees of separation from Michael Bublé, like share that. You know, share this with him and uh, let him know that uh, we want him. Yes. Yeah. Always welcome. Always welcome, Michael. Mister Bublé, sorry. <laughs> Mikey boobs. Mikey boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one sticks. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. So now I'm going to try to make the briefest recap I possibly can. You were going to try to throw a ringer bag and capture one of either JP or Clementine, uh, but due to a critical fail, Roynar plunged down the manhole in full armor and made a lot of noise. Uh, a battle ensued. Uh, G3 kind of got, like, beaten the fuck up by a ton of wretches. Tums got in a spell-slinging fight with Clementine, learned that Clementine is actually under an illusory spell, also got hit with a pretty bad ray of sickness. Uh, Celia went up to Barazzo's Point Museum, check on Aunt May. Aunt May was doing fine. She got on the phone, tried to get the law on the phone, called her dad, told her dad that there were demons and that she killed a demon and that they needed help. Uh, and then quickly went back into the sewers. So when you were back in the sewers, you found that there was a tunnel that had a magic rune lock on it. It was a little puzzle uh, to get you through a tube where uh, the illusory Miss Butterfield crawled through and escaped. Uh, You also found that there was an old storage area that once belonged to the Angry Gut in a magic curio shop that had since closed down. G3 broke open the door. You guys got into the storage area, cracked open some boxes where you found a myriad of magic weapons. Uh, We already divvied those up. We have that recorded, so go ahead and listen if you want to hear who has what magic items. Then that's pretty much where we left off there. It is 6.30 a.m., 6.30 in the morning, and you guys had just divvied up your magic items. You are still feeling worse for wear after this strenuous battle in the sewers. 
it is quiet for the moment. You can hear the effluent running from pipes and kind of this flowing of water that continues all around. It's really hard to get away from the smell of raw sewage, but you're in the sewer, so what can you do? Looking at all your magic items and looking at one another, it is time to formulate what your plan might be. Uh, hey guys, uh, I'm going to go over this corner and uh, change my pants real quick, just based off of <laughs> everything that's transpired. That would make me feel a lot better. I got these shiny new ones here. Oh, good. Out of courtesy, G3 uh, is going to turn around and face the opposite direction of Tums, which is probably towards a wall. Yeah, I think Roy will join him in that in that turning. Uh, and, and while Tom's is doing that, he'll say, <clears throat> well, uh, I think it would probably be a good idea for us to maybe take a short rest here uh, so that we can try to get some health and make a game plan for what we should do next. Agreed. Uh, Cecilia is also not looking at Tom's because gross. Yeah, Art Demlin is with you and he's also not looking at Tom's. This kind of surprises Roy, because he already <laughs> saw him, like, reading a porno mag in public, so he thought he had no shame. Not his, uh, cup of tea. G3 kind of rubs one of the scuffs on his, uh, metal chassis, and, uh, agrees. So yeah, so let's maybe, uh, do you guys want to do a short rest or a long rest? We should do a, a short rest based on the, you know, we still need to go after this gal. Yeah, there, there's urgency, I would say. Like, we want to spend an hour here. Yeah, so go ahead and roll your hit dice. I don't think anybody uh, gets any spell slots back. Uh, so yeah, just let me know how much uh, how much health you roll for yourself. Cecilia got 11, which brought her back up to full health. I rolled three of my hit dice uh, for 22, and that got me up to 24 out of 31 hit points. You were very close to death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had two HP. <laughs> that ray of sickness was a blast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's go try and figure out how to get down that tube that that old lady went through. Ah, I think the only place that might have a hint might be in J.P. Washtrot's office. I'm not sure how dangerous that's going to be. He could have it trapped. He could be waiting in there for us. How far away is it? You know, I can't say I rightly know. These places are a bit labyrinthian, and, well, now that we're away from the guards... And then he looks at G3 and Roynar, and then shrugs. They shrug, too. Well, Roy does. Uh, I know J.P. Washtrot a little bit. He's helped out the Thieves' Guild here and there, helped them move uh, both product and, you know, act as a safe house sometimes for some of the, um, let's say, nicer thieves in the Guild. Uh, so he's been more of a guide, and I've met him a couple times, but I, I haven't seen his office and I can't say I rightly know any direction down here. To Art's point, where do we think it's more likely that this J.P. Watchtrot's office is? Well, when the demons came in, they came in from this direction, from the west here. So if they came from that direction, I imagine that's where the warden's at. Why don't we head that way? I think that's sound reasoning. Okay, let's go. Towards the demons. All right. Just to add some flavor, as they're kind of pacing through these uh, sewers... Tums is delighted by the new behavior of his armor. He's like, he's you know, he's the, the sewer water is getting splashed up, kind of like all over the place. But his shirt is clean, just like rolls right off, like water off the duck's back. He's pretty stoked about it. He's fascinated by this property. Is is Tums walking with a little bit of a strut? You know, maybe maybe a little bit of like shoulders thrown back. It feels like a badass. New shirt goofing. That's what he's doing. 
and you continue walking for a short while, I'd probably say like a half hour, until you come to this junction. It's not exactly a T-junction because the west and the east hallways are a little bit offset, but it's more or less a four-way junction. Do I see any old lady tracks? All right, if you want to do some tracking, go ahead and roll a survival. I'll give you advantage for, you know, hunting down demons in particular. Yeah, 18. Okay, uh, so Cecilia, you can see that there are marks, kind of like claw marks, blobby goop marks, that continue off down the western path. You can also see a smear of blood along one of, like, the sidewalks. It looks like something bloody was, like, dragged back there. Well, there's a lot of markers going this way, guys. We want to follow that. We just have to be stealthy, I think, going forward. <laughs> uh, while you're looking down that tunnel, Roy's going to look down the opposite and adjacent tunnel. Does he see anything? I'll do a survival check. You can do a survival or a perception. It depends, like, if you're trying to do more tracking or if you're just trying to, like, generally perceive. It will matter little. Roy got an 11. So, yeah, because of the surprising cleanliness of the walkways, despite, you know, where it's, like, bloody and infested with, like, demon path, uh, you don't see many markings that would indicate that the eastern hallway has had uh, much demon activity recently. Guess we might as well follow the trail of blood to the demon lair. That's what I'm talking about. You continue down the west tunnel. And as you're continuing forth, I would like everyone to give me a stealth roll. We're going to do a group stealth. <laughs> you're welcome, everyone. Bye. All right. So let's go down the line. Uh, G3, what did you get? So G3 rolled a natural 20. Awesome. That counts as two successes. Uh, Cecilia, what did you get? A non-natural 20. All right, that counts as a success. Tums, what did you get? 17. All right, that counts as a success. Roynar, what did you get? Roynar rolled a natural one. You're so bad at fucking stealth, it's absurd. <laughs> um, he's got a shield, he's got two swords, and so he leaps across this uh, like sewer gap, and he just completely biffs it. And he, like, bangs his shield on the level like a gong. I would I would say, because with that natural 20 and that critical fail, like, you are about to slam into the wall, just like the clattering of metal. But then G3 just manages to, like, grab you really quickly and just, like, hold you still, hold you from impact. And, like, there's just the softest muffle and clang. Just not super perceptible. G3 lifts you up like a kitten from, like, the collar of your shirt as you're about to go down, places you back. Perfect. <laughs> this is only going to keep happening, so you need to keep rolling natural 20s. I'm just going to say that, so. <laughs> you know, one day the rolls will reverse, and you'll save G3. <laughs> and then what did the tabaxi get? And uh, Art Demlin rolled a 13, which is a success. So you all continue down the pathway until it takes a left turn going southward. Now, I need everyone to make perception checks, please. Cecilia got 15. Okay. G3 rolled another natural 20. Damn, G3. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? You're blowing all of them. Uh, Tums, what did you get? Tums rolled an 8 uh, to his perception. I do just want to throw something out there, though. Tums does have the the trait or feet alert. He cannot be surprised while conscious and other creatures don't gain advantage on attack rolls if I don't see them. Just oh, what the fuck? Putting that up okay. there. That's why I have such high initiative, is alert. Gives me plus five. 
Hell yeah. Wow. Uh, Roy got a seven. <laughs> All right. So I'll say that you guys are a little bit more in the back, and that's why you can't see this or perceive this. Um, but G3, you hear this sound that it sounds demonic, but it's like very slow and kind of rhythmic. <laughs> And so for those of us who didn't get anything, do we hear anything? We hear nothing. Yeah, I think you guys just hear the splashing of the uh, sewage kind of coming from the pipes behind you. You see Cecilia turn around and like shush you and like points to her ear holes. Like, listen. And with your party kind of telling you to focus, you can sort of hear this demonic snoring, perhaps. And looking into this uh, room... Looking forward, you get this overwhelming smell of just, like, sulfur and decay and death. And with a very, like, muted light uh, that you guys are holding, you can see a large chamber that is strewn with bones and half-eaten Grick carcasses. You see a bunch of, like, nests with eggs smashed open. And inside, you see a, for lack of a better word, a small colony of wretches and rudderkin that are asleep on the ground. Uh, apparently, this is where the rudderkin went through a nest of gricks, eating them, destroying their eggs, and they are now in a food coma, snoring loudly. What is perhaps the most disturbing is that knowing in the Barazle's Point area, there is a neighborhood known as Thetan Ridge, where there are ogres, you see an ogre-sized abyssal wretch just leaned against the wall, blobby hand over its stomach, snoring loudly and horrendously. Do we see Mrs. Buttersfield? You do not. However, I will say something that G3 with that natural 20 finds interesting. There is a small glimmer, a badge of some sort, that is on the chest of the one and only Rudderkin in this area. It looks like the Rudderkin is wearing a blue coverall suit with a hat and a badge on it. And it is likewise sleeping, uh, very close to the uh, big body Abyssal Wretch. Okay, so who has the best stealth? I have plus four. We all know it's not Roy. (laughs) (laughs) No, Roy. (laughs) Tums has plus seven still. I'm like, Tums, Tums, go look at what that badge says on that guy over there. Be fucking quiet. And Art looks to Tums, and in Thieves' Cant, he says, Well, I do owe you one, so if you want to get in there, I'll try and help you. It seems fucking terrifying, though. That's your call. And, uh, of course, in the thieves' camp, I gotta think of animals and grocery items. Capers, orangutan, baguette, muffins, generic brand ibuprofen. <laughs> <laughs> so, back Adam and thieves' camp, I'm like, is there anything to gain from this? Um, and I guess I would, I would say, like, sparkling water, cardamom, cinnamon spice. Nice. Ginger, Ginger spice. spice. Ginger like, spice. This is, no time. This, is, <laughs> this is no time for the Spice Girls, damn it. Uh, he yells. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm just kidding. Just the kidding. whole room's alerted. Yeah. No, no, no. He's a professional. He knows how to keep it quiet. I, like I said, I don't know what there is to gain. I know what there is to risk. I mean, it could be something just as valuable as not. 
I'll see if I can get a peek. All right, Tums, go ahead and move your character token where you want it to be. You'll still have to roll stuff for me because you're entering the room. I'm going to say that Art is going to give you a hand, so I'm going to give you advantage on that one. Stealth is an 11. Okay, 13. <laughs> okay. That was an evil laugh. That <laughs> smile means things are fucked. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I would say this. You're about to step down when suddenly you feel a hand on your arm kind of grab you, and you look and see a grave look on Art's face as he like motions down, and you are about to like step on a rib and like have it snap. But the 13 beats the passive perception, and so you move your foot wisely and do not step on this crispy rib. Roy's at the back of the room, just like, G3, what's going on? I can't see anything. Shut up, Roy. <laughs> G3's just giving the head chop off motion. Tums is killing them? Tums is killing them? <laughs> G3 at this point just billows his cape epically. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus action. Um... Okay, so is the group consensus that this is a bad idea? I just don't see what the point of it is. Uh, the only thing I could see is that badge indicates that that's an important person posing as someone else, like, above ground sometimes or something like that. Let's dip set, bros. I mean, you've already gotten so far. Why not keep going? Evil DM. Evil. <laughs> There's little to be gotten here. We should move on. In the absence of the voice in the back of, of Tums' head that pushes him to to act brashly, uh, he's gonna turn around, and we're gonna we're gonna walk. Okay. Because you all know to be stealthy, everyone can roll with advantage. So, Roynar, if you're getting disadvantage, you'll just roll straight. You get disadvantage, Roy? Yeah, for you're heavy armor. You're that bad? Oh, man, dude. I'm wearing heavy armor. That's the price I pay for having the AC of a god. <laughs> okay, Cecilia got an 18. Okay, that's a success. G3 rolled a 12. That's a success. Uh, I got a 15. Thumbs rolled a 12. And then Art Demlin got a 21. So that is a success. There's not a fail. Congratulations. Being more deliberate about being quiet, you guys are able to shuffle off back down the hallway and leave these snoring Rudderkin and Abyssal Wretches behind. All right, then let's go south down the t- down the hallway here. Agreed. Yeah, so coming down that western hallway, you come back to that kind of four-way intersection and you decide to go south. So you walk for about another half hour and you pass by a ladder and there are a couple bridges that help you get over the effluent without, you know, stepping in it. Can I climb up the ladder to orient myself? Although I don't really know this area. Tums, go up the ladder. Orient us. Yeah, I guess I go up the ladder. Okay. What do I see? Where are we? You go up the ladder and you look and you see that you are at a manhole that is uh, just south of the fight that you had with all the Greeks. Uh, yeah, we're just we're just a little bit south of the angry gut. Uh, we oh we uh you know where we fought those uh those uh worm thingies. Uh, they uh we're a little bit south of that. It's crazy how time's passing in the sewers. We walk for a half hour and we're right back at the angry gut. It's labyrinthian. It's, it's yeah. So there's another T intersection at the bottom of this intersection. You come to a large room where there are multiple pipes pouring into a pool. There is a small island of stone and tile that has four columns that rise up, connecting to the roof like a big support area. You can see that this is a big confluence of where pipes come together. And on the island, 
you see the bodies of two abyssal wretches, kind of like mangled and twisted, and you see an ogre woman who is sitting on the ground, back against the column, breathing hard, and she looks like she is severely bloodied. Uh, she sees your lights and weakly, like, turns her head to see you all and, like, tries to raise her hand in front of her eyes. Aww. Oh my god. I want to help the lady. Okay. I jump to the pond, climb her up the side, be like, Miss, do you need help? Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, uh, who are you? Who are you? My name's, my name's Polka. I, I was taken down here by these things. There were more of them, but, but they just left me with these two, and, well, I managed to twist them up something real good. Did, did you get bitten? Is she infected? Uh, she does look like she's been bitten. I do feel a little woozy, and, uh... Is there any cure? I could, I could think of something that you have that could cure. I'm not gonna give it to you, because you guys have to think about it. Is it a health potion? Tums drink? Grog. Oh man, you look like you could use a drink, lady. And then I give her the—I—I uh, I, like pull out the, the grog. Does she want the grog? Yeah, yeah, I—I lo- I love that. Thank you. She takes the flask of grog and she drinks from it. And as she does, slugging back this grog, you can see the sort of necrotic lesions around her bites. These kind of purple black lesions—they start to diminish. Hell yeah, this probiotic grog. It's kombucha. <laughs> and if it's probiotic, then it's anti-necrotic. <laughs> it's perfect. It's everything you need. And she goes, oh, damn, that's some good stuff. I, I feel a little better. I'm, I'm still pretty worse for wear. Who are y'all? What's going on? There are a bunch of demons down here in the sewers. And we there's two people who we're looking for. There's a little old lady named Mrs. Butterfield. And then there is the guy who runs the sewers named something, 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 something. What was it again, guys? J.P. Washtra. Yeah, that guy. That's a weird name. Something, something, something. No, J.P. Washtra. Oh, okay. Okay, J.P. Washtra. That works. That works. You know, the warden, the the, the warden of the waste, the the Duke of Dookie, the Prince of Poopy. Well, no, I I can't rightly say I do know uh, the shit sultan. I don't, I don't know the poop prince of of this region. <laughs> I, I'm from Fenton Ridge. I don't think I'm in, in Fenton Ridge anymore. The sewers are a little bit smaller around here. <laughs> Have you seen the a little old lady? Yeah, I, I did see a little old lady a ways back, and she points down one of these hallways that heads off to the east. I saw her a ways back. She, she looked like she'd been roughed up something good. And she was talking through some bars, uh, uh, telling some of them little blobby boys that j- just to take me back to the nest and and to, for the rest to come back with her. I guess she didn't expect I'd be giving these boys a good walloping. All right, that's what I'm going to have you do. There's a whole barrel of grog in this area. This is how you take the sewers. I'm just drawing her a little map. Like I get out a Sharpie and draw on her hand or something. Like, go chug a whole barrel of grog. And if you survive, go up to the sewers, look out for the Krugen, and tell them what you just told us. Here, I'll, I'll write a little bit of a note, and I, like, write on her arm. And be like, dear dad, I love you. I miss you. Please help us. <laughs> as, as the lady tries to read it, you're like, hey, this is a personal correspondence. Yeah. <laughs> and she looks 
at you like, are, are you sure this is for the Krugen doll? Yes. Oh, okay. Do you understand the, the steps that I just told you? So what if I see a Krugen that's like not your dad? Then tell him, so, and then I write in parentheses the name of my dad. Oh, okay. My dad's name. Oliver. <laughs> Oliver Slitherspin. Oliver Slitherspin. Yes. Anyway, we're going to go now, but go go do that, and we're going to go follow the track of the lady. Well, right, she, guys? Uh, okay, uh, I suppose, and she... Uh, Drink that grog. Drink it. Bef- Promise me. Before she goes... Uh, G3 wants to ask her, Sorry, one moment. Did you see anything else while you were down here besides the elderly woman? Uh, well, the elderly woman, behind the elderly woman, there was a a room. It looked like, it looked like someone knocked the wall away and there was some red light coming from, sorry, my dog's acting up. Is she looking at her feet? (laughs) Her her dog's. Oh, my dogs are barking. <laughs> my do- and you see her feet are yelling. Um, <laughs> Tiny mouths. <yeah. laughs> anyway, um, it's a condition. <laughs> no, um, it's a fungus. So she says, well, um, behind the old lady, it looked like someone knocked out a wall, but there was a room behind it and there was some red light coming from it. You know, I was like, lady, is your name Roxanne? Because you don't have to put on that red light. And she didn't laugh. And I felt kind of dumb, <laughs> but but one of the abyssal wretches laughed, so that was kind of fun. But he he didn't get to. I probably wouldn't have killed him if he was one of the ones who escorted me. But it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yes, there was a red room. Also, something I noticed kind of strange. Uh, even though the map illustration says water's flowing out of it, I kind of noticed that there ain't water flowing out of this here pipe. And she points to a pipe in the uh, southwestern corner of the room. Where was this red room that you saw? Well, it was, it was uh, like I said, it was like behind the bars that the old lady was in. So it, it's, it's a little ways down the path um, to, to the east out of here. And she points out a hallway. But I would be careful. There's more of them demon folk down there, and they're pretty nasty, pretty nasty little buggers. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I hope your travels are safe, and you see Cecilia's father, or lover, whoever she's trying to correspond with. It's kind of weird, I mean, well, I mean, what? that's for some pe- Some people call their lover's daddy, but, you know. Ew, can we move on? Can we move on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that's fine. We can end this little encounter here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you said just ride up, go north ways, and then there's a little room. Yeah, follow the map. Don't turn down this way, and be quiet when you go past here. All right, don't turn down the bloody hallway. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, right. Bye! Roy would like to look down the eastern hallway that she said she saw the old woman. Okay, uh, so the eastern hallway kind of winds and bends a little bit, so you can't see too far. There's some blood on the ground, so you assume that's probably Polka's blood. Okay. But yeah, it, it just kind of continues east for a little ways. I guess the next move, then, is to navigate around the chamber and investigate that southwestern pipe. Do I see this little mole thing? Uh, mega perception. Comes to roll to 15 on his perception. Alright, so looking around, yeah, you notice that one pipe isn't, you know, flowing any water through it. And then you see a small nest, and it looks like there is some blood in the nest. But you see something that's tiny and quivering. Well, maybe not so tiny. 
Uh, it's a giant rat, and it's hiding in its nest, and it's quivering. Oh. Are you going to kill that and stick it in your bag for later, too? <laughs> uh, only on accident. How big is it? Like, how giant is a giant rat? Maybe, like, corgi-sized. Like, a corgi-sized rat. Oh, cute. Oh, okay, so Tums couldn't ride it, then. Efficiently. Yeah, yeah, pr- probably. I mean, maybe. It's a sturdy-looking little beast. I don't know. Okay, I would like to offer it the sandwich, the soggy sandwich from my bag. Okay, uh, you can go ahead and make an animal handling with advantage. Why does he have advantage? Because he has a sodden sandwich, which is, like, good fucking eats for a giant rat. <laughs> uh, 18. 18. All right. Yeah, this rat, like, quivers, and then it, like, stops and kind of gets up on its little haunches and and it reaches out its little hands and, and grabs the wet sandwich and just starts, like, going to town on it. And it just kind of, like, blinks at you and, like, sniffs, and you see it has, like, little crumbs in its whiskers as it looks at you inquisitively. Kind of cute. And you take a little napkin and you like wipe its mouth tenderly. And then it bites you with its rodent teeth. <laughs> no, no, an 18 is enough to make friends with this, uh, with this giant rat. Fucking sick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, little buddy. Yeah, you, you seem pretty hungry. Uh, and then it is like, is that grog flask anywhere? Can I like give him the dregs out of that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I, uh, I pour out into my hands, making a little cup, and, and I let I let the little rat drink the, the, the little droplets of, of grog that are left in that flask. The dregs of it. I like that you're whining and dining this rodent. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So you notice that uh, this rat, like, as, you know, you've given it food and you go for your flask, you see that it does have, like, some kind of, like, crusty bits in its, like, fur. Like, it might have, like, a disease, like a mange or something. And it takes the dregs and lip, licks up the dregs of it, and it gets the cure disease benefit. Uh, so it's no longer a diseased giant rat. Um, and I'm going to give you inspiration. Oh, yes. Okay, so Tums, because he feels inspired by the joy that I have shared with this sweet little creature and for curing him. So uh, I feel determined, and I, I take that to heart. Um, I, I, I don't know what to call you yet, buddy, but... You, you should come along with us. Is there is there any kind of... Yeah, there we go. Cool. Yeah, the rat seems content to follow you. Cool. Sick. Well, Tums is bonding. Uh, I think it looks like Roy at least is gonna um, investigate that not flowing pipe. Yeah, G3 will give Roy a little, little boost, a little boosty-poo into the tunnel if he needs it. A boosty poo. Would that just be an investigation then, or what would you want me to roll? Uh, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and make an investigation? Uh, with any aid from G three? Yeah. If G three wants to help you, you can get advantage. Oh yeah. Uh, so with advantage, that's a fifteen. All right. So you're just looking through it. You're not going through it. If it looks undangerous, I'll continue through it. Okay. So looking through this pipe, you see that there are no other connections. So this is not hooked up to plumbing. It looks like it goes through to a different chamber. It also does not appear like it has any of those little twisty traps or anything like that. And with a 15 for investigation, I think I could tell you that the stone around this particular pipe uh, is different from the surrounding stone. So this could be a new addition. Intrigued, I think Roy would continue down the pipe. So you get in the pipe, you're moving through, you know, kind of diehard style. And you come to a small room where you smell... 
that familiar smell of decay. It's a tiny 20 by 10 foot rectangular room. There is a ladder that continues up to a hatch door, and there is the corpse of an older woman clutching a crumpled piece of paper. And she's on the ground. Does G3 fit in the tunnel? Because he wants to follow Roy, but I don't know physically if he can. I would say it's a tight squeeze, but I'll let you go through, yeah. Alright, G3's gonna pop up behind Roy. Royal motion for him to be quiet as he points to the old woman's body. Feeling a little bit burned by old women. Uh, can I do like a magic check on this corpse? Uh, I mean, you could roll arcana. You don't have like detect magic. Um, but you could roll arcana. I'll do it. Today. Uh, there's, there's no indication of magic going on in this room. So I think Roy would hop out and, uh, move to grab that piece of paper. You reach down, and from her hand, you pull out this crumpled piece of paper. You uncrumple it to find... It looks like it's a love letter. To my my dearest dearest Necti, the key to the darkest part of my my heart lies within the the words I wish to share with you. After all this time, after all your efforts to understand, I apologize for my hesitation in sharing it with you. We can go there together and make our new life. You are the one I trust most, and I know you won't abuse it. I love you, lass. Jake. It's signed, Jake. You also see that there is a poem attached to this. It is titled, Ambrosia. And it says, Essential goddess, a sweet ambrosia dwelling above the waste stream. J.P. Washtrop. I think enough of these words will have vibrated in the corners of of Roy's mind for him to understand uh, that maybe this is the key to the ring puzzle. Alright. I don't know. I don't know. Um... (laughs) I guess just while we're here, he's going to try to climb up the ladder and uh, see what's above this particular room. You climb up the ladder and you open up that trapdoor hatch. It is unlocked and you realize that you're like in a washroom. You see like tubs with water, like a washboard. They couldn't afford like the nomadic machine washer. Uh, so they do it by hand. <laughs> uh, but it looks like the... It just looks like it's like the basement of a house that you've entered into. And to be clear, is the corpse at the bottom, like, chained up? Nope. Uh, and did G3 read the poem as well? Yeah. I assume that Roy passed it off to him. I think this is a hint to get through the uh, pipe puzzle. I agree. But who is this woman? Now you guys can make an investigation on her body, if you like. Yeah. Uh, Roy will help G3 do that. Okay. You give G3 advantage. And G3, with the help of Roy, uh, rolled a 17 for investigation. All right. So with your 17 for investigation, you can tell that this body, uh, this person, was strangled. They have been dead for about two days. The face, while has been decayed, you recognize it as Mrs. Butterfield. Well, that's quite the plot twist. Necti Butterfield. Necti. Uh, this seems to be the woman that we helped out the other day. Yes. Tums did say that the old woman in the pipe was under some kind of illusion. Mayhaps I should not distrust old women as much as I do. (laughs) Perhaps you should distrust them more. (laughs) Are there any old women in this city? Or are they all magic? Or are they all dead in the sewers? Good question, G3. (laughs) We should share this 
with the rest of the group. Agreed. I just want to put it out there that while while they were investigating this, uh, I got the little rat to get into my mailbag. Little? He's, He's not like, giant. That's like a 20 pound Is mailbag 20 a bag of dog. Yeah, he no, it it's an encumbrance for sure. This is like putting a this is like a this is a goblin carrying a corgi in a mailbag. Like, <laughs> I, I get that. But I I, I wanted to he- heft it over and show it to, to Cecilia. Dude, why like why not put it on a leash? Like I don't if you want it to be a pet. And the rat looks like super pleased just sitting amongst the mail. He's like It's kinda cute though. He's my friend. Can we keep him? I like it. Sure. As long as he doesn't turn into a demon, then I'm going to kill it. Don't listen to him, Mr. Ratty. <laughs> Mr. Ratty. We have Cecilia and Tums out in that main room. Do you, Roy and G3, do you guys want to go back through the tube? Do you want to call them to come through the tube? What do you want? I mean, Roy and G3 are going back to Cecilia and Tums, it sounded like. Yeah. And we'll take the letter over to them as well to share. Everybody reads the letter and the poem. And uh, after they do, Roy will say, <clears throat> so, uh, I mean... Just based off of the words that Tom said those symbols corresponded to, and the words in this poem, I would imagine that this is probably the key to getting through that tube. I mean, granted, we'll have to walk back like an hour, but it seems to be a pretty good option. Wait, guys, I think there's some clues in that letter. <laughs> no shit, Tums. Oh. <laughs> so we were just talking about, bro. <laughs> Tums, did you put the rodent in your bag? Yeah, he's my friend now. He's our friend. Is the rodent now, like, snacking on the pigeon? Uh, I was th- I was thinking about that, but, uh, you know, I'd say at the moment, no. At the moment, it's it is not. Full of sandwich. Mm-hmm. It's full of soggy, special sandwich from uh, Hagar's Hungry Hoagies. Or Hungry Hagar's Hoagies. I mean, okay. So at this point, we could continue on to potentially meet more demons, or we could go back and try to more closely follow the old woman. All those... She's assuredly gone ahead of us, so... Yeah, let's go back. Oh, okay. Tom's isn't exactly excited about, you know, ray of sickness. His his, his bowels rumble when you say that. Oh, are you hungry? No. <laughs> no, that's not, a, that's not a hungry tummy rumble. Okay, yeah, so it sounds like we're going to go all the way back. All right, so that, that takes you a good... Uh, takes you a good hour. So just to be clear... We rested for an hour, we traveled this way for an hour, and then we're traveling back an hour, so it's now like 9 o'clock in the morning? It's 9.30. Yeah. And as you pass by, uh, you can kind of see through the torchlight, you see Polka um, just sitting and and drinking out of a barrel of grog. Good. Good girl. She gives you a thumbs up. Okay, so now that we're back at the thing, I really don't remember the poem, but... She threw reads this out for the group. Essential goddess, that would be the first goddess? Yes. A sweet ambrosia dwelling. Tums, it would be dwelling? Yeah, that's right. And the final is above the waste stream. Upstream. Wait, 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 wait. Before before you do this, I know Lux, trust me. And Tums like does like a big price is right, like pull on the on the lock so that it's like reset. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they got like the big price is white wheel. He's like up on two feet and he, he resets the ball. And it spins around like... And it slows down. Ready for use. Okay, yeah. So we're gonna... Goddess dwelling upstream. Alright, you turn it. Goddess dwelling upstream. And it's click, clack, clonk. And suddenly... 
and the lasers deactivate. Yay! Uh, do you want to send your rat in first? He could scout things for us. Yes. Okay. Oh, that would be a fitting name. Scout. All right, Scout. Wh- what do you got for us? And I'm going to let him out of the bag. <laughs> None of us can talk with the animal, right? So he's just like staring there looking at all of us. Yeah, pretty much. You put him down and he just looks at you like he's on his little haunches. He's kind of looking expectantly. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to pick him up and lift him up into the pipe and follow behind him. We'll go down the pipe. I'm, I'm fording ahead with Scout. Yeah, I'm going to let them go a little bit and make sure they set off any booby traps first. <laughs> and then I'll come behind him. Let me do two things for you here, Andre. I must, I'd like to say I'm proceeding with caution. Good. That's good. Scout is not. <laughs> yep. So you and Scout crawl through the long pipe uh, no longer full of lasers. Where the pipe deposits is a turn. It's a 90 degree turn. Uh, so there is part of the hallway that is going south, and then there is part of the hallway that's going west. However, the western way is blocked by a large grate. Can I try and track where the lady might have gone? The not-lady-lady? The mysterious Mrs. Butterfield? Yes. I got 14 to track Mrs. Butterfield, but not Mrs. Butterfield. So with a 14, you think that she probably continued southwards. Okay. Uh, for a, a brief while. You can see in the distance a bit of an emanating red light mm. that's coming from the uh, right side of the hallway. And you, as you draw closer, you start to hear this like loud, like... Like something is repeatedly striking. Does anyone speak abyssal? I only know common or Right is not... Right? It's on, it's on your sheet. If it's not on your sheet, then no. Damn it, Dad. You should have taught me how to speak with demons. So if no one knows how to speak uh, Abyssal, you just kind of hear this, like, guttural command after each strike. It's like... <laughs> like someone is baiting whoever to hit. Uh, I'm going to need everyone, as you draw closer, to make a stealth roll. I'm going to just make the DC kind of low because there is other noise going on right now. Okay, uh, so Cecilia, what did you get? Uh, I got 15. Okie doke. And G3, what did you get? G3 got a 19 for stealth. Most excellent. Roynar, what did you get? Roy got a 3. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Tums, what did you get? Uh, Tums rolled a 14. Okay, and Art Demlin rolled a 26. Let me not forget. Uh, do you want to roll a uh, stealth for Scout? Yeah, he rolled an 18. All right, good job, Scout. So you all sneak along. Peeking around the corner, you see a small... It looks like a small room of worship. Looking at it, it's a room that's on the western side. There is a large statue of a winged woman that is facing westward, and there's an altar before it. In front of this winged statue, you see an altar, and there is a bowl kind of carved into the altar, and that's where this red light is emanating. It's just kind of seeping forth from this hole in the altar and filling this room, washing it in this, like, blood-red light. Uh, At your vantage point, you can see that there are some small little, like, vestibules on either side of the room, and inside of two of the vestibules on the southern side of the room, there is an abyssal wretch and a rudderkin that are looking towards the west, where you see the mysterious Mrs. Butterfield 
yelling that command at a large, big-bodied abyssal wretch. And you can see that it's punching upwards into some stone. And just again, it hits it and goes, Hashnah! And like, it just keeps slamming into the roof. I think at this point, to mitigate Roy's terrible stealth, they just keep him at the back of the line every time that they need to. So he's like tapping on G3's shoulder. What's going on? What do you see? G3 kind of like pantomimes like a punch into the ceiling and then a little like hammer and billows his cape. Can I do a religion to see if I know what they're doing? Yes, you can roll religion. Okay, so we're at 13. 13. What I would tell you with a 13 is you're not quite sure what they're doing actively. It seems like the mysterious Mrs. Butterfield is using the big body as some sort of siege weapon, but you can tell that there is a ritual that is actively going on inside this room, and it is just teeming with abyssal energy. What it's doing exactly, you're not sure, but it probably has something to do with what's going on. Okay. We should stop this right now. What if we all rush in, distract them, and then Tums tries to shoot her while we're distracting? Well, I think we get a stealth attack, don't we, since we're, we all... So how this would work is, yes, yeah, since you guys are have all snuck up, if you want to engage in a combat right now, you guys would have a surprise round where each one of you would be able to do something before the enemy even gets a chance to respond. Roy would like to ask Cecilia, uh, <clears throat> so your knowledge of these demon folk, uh, do they have any sensitivity to light or magic or anything like that? Only the sun from the second sun that we have. <laughs> Only the light from the second sun we have. What about the moonlight of this new sword? Nope. Anything? Rubbish! <laughs> okay, well, fine. Is Mrs. Butterkin's illusory copy, or whatever she is, the grandma from Coco, was she... <laughs> uh, for, for the listeners, the, the player token has a striking resemblance to um, Grandma Coco. Oh, no, that's that's the grandma from Coco. That's a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, it is for sure? Okay. Yeah, that's a hundred percent her. I made the token out of the grandma from Coco's token, because I needed her to be lovable on first sight. <laughs> so Abuela's over there. <laughs> Why don't we bust in and uh, me and Art, we can, uh, you know, we'll get the shots in that we can get from out of sight. Surprise attack! You are all looking in to this altar room and you see what's going on. This undulating red light and this big body abyssal creature slamming upwards, taking out chunks of stone. And the mysterious Mrs. Butterfield barking commands at. I do say, like, before we start, like, don't forget to, like, take out Mrs. Butterfield. Like, that's our primary objective. Friends, should we try out this fun new item we received? And he pulls out the ring, which is just in his pocket because it doesn't fit on his three Ninja Turtle fingers. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, that's awesome. All right, I have an idea. If you're going to use that, can you take me with you? Yeah, uh -huh. nice. Connor's nodding. G3 looks at Roy. Hop on. And then he kneels down and presents his back. Sounds weird. You know what I mean? Roy will, like, equip his shield and his sword and then just kind of, like, latch on to G3's back. And, uh, yeah, G3 pulls out his giant axe and starts casting Jump. So we'll say that for your turn, you have Roinar on your back and you have the ability to jump. And starting out this surprise round uh, will be Tums. 
Tums is going to step back into the sewer a bit so that he's down the middle. And he's going to try and pull a sneak attack on this furthest abyssal wretch. The, the big body? Not the big body. The bottom abyssal wretch. All right, go ahead and roll. Tums rolls a 13. 13 will hit the abyssal wretch. Four piercing. And is this a sneak? This is a sneak attack, yep. So uh, three sneak for a total of seven damage. Okay. For his bonus action, he's going to cast True Strike uh, facing Mrs. Butterfield. Okay. I did some looking into this just for other people that are looking. It's important to note that True Strike doesn't give you knowledge of like a permanent insight. So if like a creature was, say, weak to fire, you don't learn that from True Strike. You more have an insight into if you could perceive like they were going to make a misstep or they were going to turn left. Like that is the type of insight that you're getting that gives you advantage. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so you point your finger, you mark that true strike, and we will go to Art Demlin's turn. So Art, taking some regular tipped arrows, he draws two from his quiver, knocks two arrows, going for a double shot, and he's going to shoot two arrows at this Rudderkin. He will also use his assassinate feature, so he has advantage on attack rolls against any creature that hasn't taken a turn yet. The first arrow is 20 to attack. The second arrow is 19 to attack. Both will hit the Rudderkin. It deals 11 plus 10 piercing damage. So that's going to be 21 piercing damage as Art Demlin just releases two arrows that sail across the room and right into this Rudderkin's neck and chest. And it's still alive? It is still alive, but it has been bloodied. He hits it right in the throat and like a big gout of like blackish, brackish blood starts spilling down the front of its chest. And the second arrow likewise just releases like a trickling of foul blood. And this Rudderkin looks around bewildered, just freaking out. Uh, Roynar, it is your turn. You can hold your turn until after G3 goes. Yep, that was the plan. Uh, so then next in the surprise round would be Scout. Scout Ratty. Scout Ratty is just going to basically use his movement. You're, you're going to get him killed if you put him in this combat. <laughs> no, I don't want to hurt him. I- I'm going to have Scout Ratty like, run the opposite direction. That is like the rat appropriate response to this. He's just had one sandwich from, from Tums. He is... He's running away. Yeah, especially after hearing the demonic cries and perhaps knowing what has happened to other creatures around the demons. Uh, he, yeah, he flees. Okay, next in the surprise order will be guard three. So G3 is going to look up at Roy. Are you holding tight? Holding tight. And G3 just books it around the corner running, getting a good 10 feet so he can get his long jump in. And under the effects of the jump spell... It's just going to jump straight onto the old lady. Okay. I'll make them do a deck save. And I guess coming down, he's going to do his axe attack as he's coming down onto her. Nice. Okay, so the deck save was seven, so uh, this, this old lady does not get out of the way. So I'll let you deal an additional, let's say a D8 of just impact damage from slamming into her. And then you can make your weapon attack on top of that. Nice. G3 comes down with his great axe with a 19 to hit. Oh yeah, that's gonna hit. And that deals 8 slashing damage. Plus a D8 of the impact damage, yep. Oh, plus a D8. Good call. For an additional 6 damage, so totaling up to 14. Holy shit. And then you flourish your cloak. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Nope. 
This isn't the time yet. <laughs> With your whole bonus action. Don't rage. Gotta rage. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, G3's going to then use his bonus action to rage. And he's going to menacingly look down at this old woman that is not an old woman, but posing as an old woman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so as you come flying through the room, I like to just imagine, like, you just bring your metal knee right into the back of her head and then, like, <laughs> knock her forward. And as she turns around, you just bring the axe across and, like, a nice long cut across the torso. This mysterious Mrs. Butterfield needs to make a concentration check and fails the concentration check. So the illusion falls, and as you see this old woman like reaching down on her chest, suddenly looking up and into your eyes, you see the purple irises of a blue-skinned figure that looks up at you with malice. It appears to be a male, about Roynar's height and build. Do I know what it is? Uh, you recognize this uh, race of being as a Vidalcan. Ooh. That's a Vidalcan! He looks up at you. You're about to make a grave mistake. And uh, G3 just comes back with, you are not an old woman. <laughs> and then Billows escape. <laughs> yep, and G3, yeah, does his little chest flex. His little underglow changes colors, and uh, he's in rage mode. And Roynar, you've held your action for this moment. What would you like to do? I think that was a fantastic intro because as G3 like flourishes his cape and like engages rage, you just see this figure appear from behind the flourished cape and it's Roy like with his shield and his sword brandished. And basically without skipping a beat, he's just going to dive in and attack uh, the thingy. The thingy. What Who is the, what is the thing? The Vidalcan? The Vidalcan! Yeah, that guy. He gets an 11 to his attack, so I'm assuming that does not hit. 11 is not going to cut it, literally. <laughs> and uh, really, that's about all I can do, so. Okay, uh, so yeah, you try to come in, but by now, this Vidalcan, the Mr. Mrs. Mysterious Butterfield, huh? uh, you bring your sword in an arc, and they just like lean back out of the way and avoid the strike. As you look into their eyes, you do see that flash of purple back when you helped who you thought was Mrs. Butterfield. Those were the eyes that you see. Strangely enough, you notice a hint of recognition in this uh, character's eyes. Well, that one away. Last but certainly not least on the surprise round, we have Cecilia Slitherspoon. All right, I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to draw my long bow, or my short bow. Okay. Um, and imbue it with my blood maledict. So I'm going to give myself 1d4 damage really okay. fast. So I got three damage. That sucks. So I cut myself in my upper arm, and then out comes the glowing blood from the uh, sap of the sunlit saguaro. And I reach out and I draw my crossbow and I loose it. Got a lot of different bows going on there. It's a short crossbow. Bow. It's a crossbow. It's okay. a crossbow. Okay. And I got twenty-one to hit. Oh hell yeah, you hit. I got six damage plus the imbuement. So plus three, so six, seven, eight, nine damage total. To the Vidalcan. To the Vidalcan, and then Cecilia gets three damage. Alright, nine damage total. So after like getting just clobbered by G3, a glimmering radiant arrow shoots across, like right under the wing of the statue, over the altar, and like straight into the spine of this guy. 
his shoulder blades reel back and he screams out in pain. And it seems like uh, one of his legs kind of like loses some feeling as it kind of like seems like it's dragging. He looks really fucking hurt with this flurry you guys just came in with. Kill him! Kill him! All right, so at this point, that ends surprise round. So now we are in regular initiative. The enemies know you're here. Their turns are going to be interspersed throughout your guys' turns. So, Tums, it is your turn. What would you like to do? Tums is going to move into the first corner of the room, and that should give him a clear line of sight to the Baldokan. Uh, so he's maintained concentration on his spell, so he still has true strike, and he's going to use his short bow to roll attack, so he has advantage, so he can roll twice. I want to be clear, if the Valdalkin is engaged with others, does this count as a sneak attack? It counts as a sneak attack, yeah. Great. Uh, so Tums rolls twice for advantage. Between the two, 19 is the better. That hits. And so he's going to let this arrow go out. It's a sneak attack, 7 piercing, 11 sneak damage for a total of 18, and I want to send that bolt flying straight into his shoulder. Okay, so with the shoulder blade, are you trying to say non-lethal or lethal? Non-lethal. Outer edges of the center mass, so. (sighs) Fucking 18 damage right through his shoulder. Like, you can hear the shoulder blade, like, crack. Uh, He has been reduced to zero. So, yeah, it just cracks. He cries out and, like, just falls on the ground like a sack of potatoes. Oh, yeah, like a sack of taters. And uh, all of the wretches around him just cry out in, like, horrible bellows. <laughs> Stuff like that. So to finish off, I'm going to use my bonus action to cast the cantrip. Uh, create bonfire. So um, Tums is going to cast a bonfire underneath the rudderkin that was struck by Art. It gets a 21 to its deck save, so. Damn. Okay, but the bonfire is still lit underneath it? Yep. That's correct? Yep. Any creature in the bonfire space when you cast a spell must succeed a dex save or take 1d8. Must make the saving throw when it moves into the bonfire space for the first turn or ends its turn there. It's on the beginning of its turn. So it's time for these abyssal wretches, not the big body, luckily enough. The abyssal wretch that you shot, Tums, sees you and just charges you. The northern abyssal wretch leaves its little cubby and it comes for you, G3. So we'll start with G3's attack, a 7 versus your armor class. Misses. Yeah, you've gotten wise to the to these things. It swings its like mouth hand at you trying to bite and you manage to retract your limb before it lands. Then this one's coming at you, Tums. Eight versus your armor class. That doesn't connect against 15. All right, yeah, this guy just takes like a huge whiff. He wasn't even paying attention. He's just pissed off. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. And I do want to just get a couple things straight. So since the last fight, only two people have been feared by the Rudderkin, and that would be G3 and Tums. They are now, because they succeeded, they're now immune to the fear. Uh, Art succeeded, didn't he? Art also succeeded. So the only ones who can still be feared are Roynar and Cecilia. So Roynar, you are within 30 feet of the Rudderkin at this point, and now that it's an active combat scenario... I am going to need you to roll a wisdom saving throw. Well, that's not going to go very well. <laughs> uh, I got a five. Bro. Leaping into this room, you don't think much about the consequences of the creatures around you. You're bolstered by being on the back of G3. He's a powerful, formidable being. And as you see this Vidalkin get downed, you can see 
right on his neck, like right below the collarbone that's been exposed by a slash, you see the tattoo of the imprisoned son and the implications that come with that. We already know that you respond with some fear, but does knowing that this symbol is present here, does this augment your fear in any way, shape, or form? Uh, I think if nothing else, it could leave him a little stunned and shaken. This was not what you were expecting to see. This is certainly a surprise. You are stunned, and then you look up and you see these horrible demons. And yeah, just being so close to them in their proximity, it is horrifying. You are restrained. So you can still, like, you can't move, but you can act around you. And creatures will get advantage on attacks. And it's at the end of my turns I have to roll again? Correct. So now we're going on to Art. So Art is going to try to shoot another two arrows and just polish off that Rudderkin that he has been shooting. All right, he gets a 16 for the first arrow and then a 9 for the second arrow. So the first arrow is going to hit. It is only going to do four piercing damage. And as it hits the creature, the creature doubles over. And in doing so, it dodges the second arrow. It didn't kill that guy? Nope, it did not kill that guy. It doubled over. And it, like, looks back up with fury and hate. So now it is the Rudderkin's turn. The Northern Rudderkin still has the bonfire going by it, so it's going to need to make a dex save or take the damage. It gets a 15 versus your spell save, Tums. Okay, the save DC says 12. This Rudderkin leaps out of the way of the flames, and it is going to just run straight at Art Demlin and really just try to take some chunks out of him. Uh, Cecilia, now that this Rudderkin is within 30 feet of you, you need to make a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving I got a nine. That is not enough. You see this Rudderkin loping over towards uh, Art Demlin, and like your knees buckle and you're quivering. Like you you don't want to move any closer towards this creature. Can I still attack? You can still attack, yes, but you can't move. So the attack towards Art Demlin is a 22 to hit, which is going to hit. It deals 18 damage to Art Demlin, and then Art needs to do a constitution saving throw, which he only gets a 12, which fails. So Art has now contracted the disease, and he is poisoned. So he's going to get disadvantage on attack rolls and skill checks. Likewise, this Rudderkin that's right next to Tums is going to take a shot for Tums. Gets a 20 versus your armor class, Tums. Shit. Okay, that's gonna hit. You take 17 piercing damage, and you need to make a constitution saving throw. Are you kidding me? These guys are real juicy. Okay. Constitution saving throw of 12. The DC to beat is 13. You have contracted the disease. Uh, can I, can I do inspiration for saving throw? Yeah, yeah, you can do that. If you'd like to, you can. Okay. Fuck. 11. Oh. <laughs> okay, yep, nope, you are, you got the disease, you got that demonic, you got the itis. Yeah, you got the itis, you got the demonic itis. And now it is going to be Roynar's turn. I can't reach the big thing, right? You're within striking range of the big guy. Roy's still a little shaken, but he's gonna try to bring himself back to it with some good old combat. So he's gonna reach out and try to attack the big guy. Uh, he got a, uh, a 24 nice. to hit. He got a 24 to hit. That is going to connect. Go ahead and roll damage. Alrighty, so that's one-handed, and that's gonna be 11 slashing damage. Very nice. You cut a nice deep gash, like right into the belly portion, and you see just some of these fetid organs just slip out and onto the ground. 
and this big body just like looks at you and with a deep rumbling growl. I think Boyd Roy will growl back. <laughs> All right, and if that's the end of your turn, uh, you can go ahead and make another wisdom save. Not good enough. Uh, Roy got an eight. Yeah, you are still too afraid of the Rudderkin. Uh, it's Clementine, Butterfield, Mrs. Butterfield, or the Vidalkin's turn. Uh, the Vidalkin has been taken to zero and will not do an action. But so, roll a no death saving throw. It was it was uh, non lethal damage. So they're just. They're out. I know. I know Jess is out for blood. Now it's Scout Raddy's turn. You know what? I'm going to say um, odds he'll be a heroic rat evens he won't. Fair deal. Odds. He is a heroic rat. Okay. So he comes bounding down? He comes running down and he leaps for the for the neck at this frickin' Rudderkin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The one that's attacking Art? Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, 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 no. He gets advantage when his allies are within five. Oh, does he have pack tactics? He does have pack tactics. All right. So what's that number? Oh, it's 23. 23 to hit. <laughs> <laughs> Four piercing. Four piercing damage. All right. And it must it must succeed a DC 10 constitution saving rule. Otherwise, it contracts disease. Well, first of all, you cured any disease off of Scout. So Scout is oh. not disease. He can't have like a septic bite, like a fucking... Komodo dragon? You know what? Sure. You know what? Fuck it. Yeah, you know what? Fuck, Fuck it. Yeah. Well, well, this is separate. This is part of his predatory practices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the things in his, his like, mouth biota. He lives in a sewer. Like, he's got poop germs in there. And he has to beat a 10 constitution saving throw or get diseased. It got a 6! <laughs> <laughs> so, the Rudderkin now has rat poopy bite. Has rat poopy bite. Okay, it can't regain hit points. Target hit point maximum decreases by 1d6 every 24 hours. <laughs> so, shit. I'm gonna say it's gonna give him disadvantage on attacks as well. Fucking Scout Ratty coming in big. Alright, now it's time for the Abyssal Big Body. Speaking of big. And uh, the Big Body's nearest quarry, which is Roy. If I get injured, will that, like, shake me out of this, or does that not help? No, unfortunately not. Fuck. You'll just be terrified and, and hurt. <laughs> the Abyssal Big Body deals a uh, 22 versus your armor class, Roy. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, that'll hit. And it's going to deal six bludgeoning damage to you. Kind of soft. Soft boy. Wait, Dan, what's your, what's your armor class with the shield and stuff? 18. That's still high as fuck, boy. Yeah, that is. All right, yeah, this thing just brings like a big old fat hand down on you and you bring your shield up, but despite just, you know, having the shield, the weight just bashes into you and you can feel like it fucked up your shoulder and like your chest still kind of knocks some of the wind out of you. Oh, it does. You can hear this kind of demonic chuckle. <laughs> and uh, guard three, it'll now be your turn. So G3 is going to attack the one directly next to him with his great axe. Alright, go ahead and roll it. Uh, it's a 17 to hit. Okay, that'll hit. Uh, for 6 slashing damage, as he gets a solid hit, it is going to trigger his ancestral guardian, or protector. As your axe, like, sinks into this creature, you can feel this energy, this, like, lightning, this electric energy kind of, like, start coming out from you. Like, it ripples up your blade, and it makes that kind of shadow mech, glowing electric radiant shadow of your ancestral protector. And that's my turn. All right. Uh, Cecilia, it is your turn. All right. I'm going to 
You I'm gonna shoot the the big ass motherfucker in the very back. Okay. With my crossbow. Okay. I got 21 to hit. Oh, that'll hit. I got a seven piercing damage plus four. So I got 11 damage total to the big baddie. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You hit it right in its like big bulbous double chin and like it just splits so nastily and like you can tell that the radiant damage did a little extra something something and like there's just this like yellow kind of like liquidy fat that just like flows out of its like neck hole like deflating this like bag underneath its chin and it's like it's just like blood and fat fucking fall out of its neck. Like the troll in the Lord of the Rings, just like kind of like. <laughs> yeah, he's not dying yet, but okay. he's he's really worse for wear. Uh, and since it's the end of your turn, Cecilia, go ahead and do another wisdom saving throw for us. Wisdom save. I got sixteen. All right, you have beat the fear, and you are now immune to it for the next twenty-four hours. Sweet. So yeah, probably seeing that disgusting display in front of you has made you a little bit more confident in destroying these creatures. Yes. All right. Die, motherfuckers, die! And from further on in the tunnels, Cecilia, you can hear more of this demonic call. No! Fuck. I want to be like, guys, like maybe we should leave. <laughs> like, and take Butterfield with us. Uh, so coming to the top of initiative, we are going to go ahead and do Tums. Okay. So, um, Tums would like to use his primary action to disengage, move over to the opposite corner, and then cast Bonfire on the altar. Uh, go ahead and roll the fire damage. Okay, fire damage uh, deals five. Okay. So, your fire immolates inside of this altar bowl, and you can see that the magic inside kind of, like, sucks in the fire, kind of sucks it into a core, and then releases a wave of energy, and it's going to deal five fire damage to all of the uh, abyssal creatures. Five is the magic number to kill the big body. Yes! What? Nice. Yep. Holy shit. And once this happens with this burst, you see all of the Rudderkin and Abyssal wretches scream out as they get lit up by the fire, and the Abyssal big body on fire starts like leaning forward and like falling to his knees like he's about to die. Or he falls to the ground like he's dead. And then Cecilia's gonna use her blood maledict. Okay. And she's gonna, like, reanimate this guy to attack the Rudderkin that is closest to G3. Okay, so you would still need the creature to... You'd need to enhance it, so you need to spill blood okay. so that you could get it to move over there. All right, so I, Cecilia cuts her arm again, gets two damage. Okay. And then she says, And then the big monster goes, (laughs) And then just attacks the Redderkin. Precisely like that. Does the home improvement Tim Allen. (laughs) It's a 19 to hit the Redderkin, so that hits. Three bludgeoning damage. Could have been juicier. Oh, I love that blood maledict. So, so yeah, like just like it's been propped up on strings, you see the big body rise up, stumble a few steps forward, slap the shit out of the abyssal wretch, like right next to G3. As it falls over, it falls over on this Vidalkin figure, dealing seven damage. And even though he was at zero for non-lethal damage, now he's taking what could be considered lethal damage. As this 
colossal big body falls forward and falls on the Vidalcan character, dealing that lethal damage, putting him on death's door. You see the red flickering light gutters weakly in the altar before taking on a green hue. This green flame expands rapidly, washing the room in sickly green light. And with the sudden contraction, it releases a green shockwave. A ripple of energy that seems to flood over all of you and even permeate through the stone walls of the sewer. The abyssal wretches go slack. Their blobby, bulbous bodies cloaked in green energy. They linger for a moment before opening their eyes, glowing green. You can hear the cracking of their bones as they start to move in sharp, erratic movements. With sickly eyes, glowing with malice, they extend their jaws to release a horrible, rage-filled cry. And to your dismay, you hear the cacophony of their enraged kin, closing in on your position. Dun, dun, dun. Hey folks, hope you enjoyed the episode. Exploring the depths of the Barazley's Point sewer revealed many disturbing secrets. Miss Butterfield was dead in the sewer with a love letter in her hands. The true nature of our villain was exposed for a few brief moments before his brutish bodyguard's corpse crushed his lungs. Yet, there are more questions that need answering. Will the party be able to survive the coming onslaught? Find out in the next episode of Tavern Squad. Want to tell us how you like the show? Or how I was a little cavalier with the Rat Companion? Well, we here at the Tavern want to hear from you. Write a review, send us an email, or message us on Facebook, Instagram, and Reddit. Be one of the next people to have your letter read on Tom's Mailbag. Speaking of which, it's time to read this month's letter. Cue the music! Hey Tom's, you got that mail? Hey Tom's, you got that mail? Hey Tom's in the bag that you got on your lap from the fans, can you read that mail? Can you read it for me? Tom's Mailbag! Can you read it for me? Can you read it for me? Oh, what a long day. Oh, Scout. Scout Ratty, come over here. Come, Come cuddle up to me. Oh, Scout. I love you so much. I'm so glad that you could sit with me. It's nice to just huddle down. There, let me, uh, let me read some stuff to you, little guy. Uh, yeah. Uh, here's, here's something I, I, I got. Uh, this came from, uh, It's Ansel. Uh, it looks like they're from Reddit. They write, This just keeps getting better and better. The music and sound effects were killing me this episode. And then they have, like, a little smiley face of what's got, uh, you know, like, teardrops flying out. Like, they're laughing so hard. Also, the Tom's Mailbag song is a low-key bop. Scout. If I'm reading that right, I, I I got a song. Are the bards singing about me and my mailbag? Oh, Scouty, you have no idea how much this makes me fucking happy. Oh, I'm so excited about this. 
you know, a, a, a song, something from the bards. You know, grumpy old Roina, he thinks he's all Mr. Oh, I'm angry cop guy, but, but he doesn't have a song. That's right, Scouty. I got a song. Tom's has got a song. Tom's has got a song, baby. Yeah, so thanks for reaching out, Ansel. You really warm my heart. And to anybody else out there that wants to reach out to me, Tom's, you know, you know you can get to me from all the places you can. From Facebook or Instagram or, or the Reddits, wherever you're at. Just, just reach out and uh, subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, thanks. Tom's, you got that mail. Hey, Tom's, you got that mail. Hey, Tom's in the bag that you got on your lap from the fans. Can you read that mail? Can you read it for me? Tom's mailbag! Can you read it for me? Tom's mailbag! Thanks for reading to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Better yet, take a moment to share with a friend. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. Links are in the episode notes. We want to extend another hearty hello to Tommy Attella, a budding Twitch streamer who plays games like Rocket League and Halo Infinite. Find him on Twitch at twitch.tv slash chexmix95. Links to his channel are in the episode notes. Our intro song is Briefcase No. 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Carl Casey from White Bat Audio. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. And with that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing. Time doesn't need to make sense in the sewers because it's bigger on the inside. And it just kind of worked better for me. Toodaloo. <gasps> there he is. Scout Ratty. So it's still Mr. Ratty. So you should be able to move the token around, and you will have control of the creature. So if you want him to, like, go and attack shit, like, you can press the buttons. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And have, <laughs> and have uh, Scout attack things, if you'd like. So, to, to what extent can I direct him, then? We'll say if you want it to follow commands, you'll need to do an animal handling roll as a bonus action. And we're just going to make the DC 11. So if you roll over 11, Scout will do what you say. And this is for now. So, like, you know, the less friendly he potentially would get, the harder it would be. Okay, great.